Tension punters, we have exciting news. Yes, we do. We are now on Dabble. Dabble is an Aussie-owned bookie that is absolutely changing the game of gambling. Any bets that we mention in this podcast, you can use their unique system of the copy bet feature to put the bet on yourselves with no time wasted. That's exactly right, Nico. We do the research for you, punters. We build the multis, and with the press of a single button, you can put our bets straight on. It's that easy. So you can go on the Dabble app and follow us at the Mock Sports and start winning with us this sporting season. Click the link in the show notes when signing up. Use the code the Mock Sports to let them know that we sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mock Sports presents Fair Bump Play On. My name is Andrew Cashman, and as always, joined by my friend, and my foe, Nicky Boy. How are you? Never call me Nicky Boy again. What the <laughs> heck? That is crazy. Ah, uh, no, I'm good, mate. I would be here. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I've thrown you right off. I've rattled you. You rattled me there to start. But yeah, no, I'm good, mate. Um, after a good week of footy, Swans are up. Mel, uh, Western Bulldogs are down. So I'm, I'm happy. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> before we get into it, yeah, a few things to touch on. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you on the... Um... The the dogs and the swans there. Yeah, dogs, very disappointing. But we'll touch on that in the round of view. First off, the big AFLW grand final. Surely you tuned in, jeez. I was telling my parents, I was like, I had no idea it was on. Neither, honestly. There was, there was no advertisement to see it on. If they're, like, that's, that's the problem with it. I, I, to be honest, I probably would have tuned in. Um, I don't mind supporting... Women's football, AFL, AFLW. I don't mind any form of AFL like watching, but I didn't see any advertisement to watch it at all, and that's the problem. Like, yeah, that you're you're right. I didn't see anything either. It got stuck on a what I think it started at like twelve midday on Saturday, and with no advertising, like they only got sixteen thousand people to the ground, which is good for AFLW. Don't get me wrong, but last time they played at the Adelaide Oval. Like, the last time they could play a big grand final, they got, like, 40,000 people there. So, like, I think that shows them that they probably should have advertised it a little more because nobody really knew it was on. And, like, everyone was too busy focusing on the big race day, the Grand Prix, and everything else that was going on. If they'd advertised it more, that could have been another huge pillar of the massive sporting weekend we had. Yeah, no, I agree. I I was just saying, like, there was nothing at all. Like, yeah, it was crazy. Like, I had no idea it was the grand final at the end of the season. I had no idea any of it. There's no, there's nothing on it at all. You see all these highlights and even the big people, oh, you got to see it a bit more. That's the reason no one watches it is because no one knows it's on. No one, the only people that are watching it is the same people that watch it every year and it doesn't grow. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, and it was, you know, Daisy Pierce versus Aaron Phillips, like the two best AFLW players in history. One on one, Daisy is retiring now. Don't know if Aaron Phillips is it. I, th- I think she might be. I'm not quite sure of the narrative that they were spinning there, but yeah, I would have happily tuned in. I just purely didn't know, and I don't know if that's ignorance or, like you said, the lack of advertising. But yeah, it, I purely didn't even know what time it was on. I assumed it would have been on a prime time sort of thing, purely because it's the grand final and they want to get it out there, like. I know the AFL Grand Final gets played on a Saturday, Arvo, but nobody's missing that because everyone knows that it's on. It's the AFL Grand Final. Like, if they'd just really pumped it out there and made sure everyone got eyes on it, I think there would have been more eyes on it and there would have been more butts in seats at the stadium. But um, we'll move on. Uh, we don't normally touch on other sports, but it's such a big event, like I mentioned earlier, the Grand Prix, where you, I know you're an F1 fan. I'm an F1 fan. Did you get to tune into that? Um, no, I didn't watch much of it, to be honest. Um, I was watching the UFC. Um, Another uh, one. Yeah, Alexander Volkanovsky, the, the Aussie boy, obviously, from Wollongong, won his title fight. Um, great to see. So I, did, I didn't tune into too much of the F1. Um, it was a pre- Australia is a pretty boring track, to be honest. Um, nothing really happens in it, and um, it's, not, it's not really easy to overtake. So that's why you saw... A lot of people winning. Um, 
the people that led the whole race, the clerk one. So yeah, just touch on that quickly. But um, yeah, nah, didn't didn't watch too much of it. I watched it, like you said, it was a pretty dead race, but that's just the way Australia is. You really need to uh, pole in that top 10 um, to start qualifying that top 10 to start off with. Otherwise, you're not really in with the hope. But the main thing that came out of that was um, everyone seemed to go home with a little souvenir like we did from Buddy 1000 with that seat. I've seen that many videos of people stealing stuff from that track. It's hilarious. I've seen blokes getting pliers out and clipping off the DRS signs, taking bits of the barriers. One bloke ran out on the track and got a piece of concrete from where um, Vettel crashed. <laughs> I, I saw a video of one guy walking down Lygon Street with a soft compound tire under his arm. How the hell did he get his hands on that? <laughs> How do you do that? That's hilarious. <laughs> like it's the best thing I've ever seen. Literally, apparently everyone rushed the track afterwards and just like sat on it. Like I've seen videos of blokes like in their deck chairs in the middle of like the straight, just having a bunch of beers afterwards. Like they they got the forklifts around, they put them in the pits. They were like, yeah, slow down. They all got around, pretended they were in the pits and box box. It was hilarious. Like it, like I said, a bloke walked around with, away with a tire. You just love to see it. That's hilarious. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's great to see. Oh, it just, it just goes to show us Aussies. We make sure we get a bloody souvenir when something happens like that. 100%. Um, but uh, we, we finally move into the footy. So do you want to head into the round review of last week, Nick? Yeah, we'll get straight into it. So we had Melbourne Port Adelaide, obviously, on, on the Thursday night, which is a, a dreadful game to watch. First quarter, I think it was 6-1 uh, to one or something like that. Something like 6-3 or something. It was a very low score. Um. No, nine to three, sorry, for the, yeah. So Port Adelaide broke a new re- world record for themselves, new club record, sorry. Um, goalless in the first half of a football match, which is which is bad to see. And in the third quarter, they weren't too much better with one goal and eight behinds. So, yeah, overall not too good. Pretty boring game, to be honest. Melbourne, even though the scoreline did, doesn't really show it, um, 32 points, they dominated that game. They absolutely fested in it and it was just it was just a boring game to watch in the end when oh, I thought it would be a really good one um but Port Adelaide did fight back well in the last quarter which is some um decent signs for them against a, a good side Melbourne but um yeah pretty boring game did you want to touch anything else on that quarter playing like dead set Oz kickers bro that piece where like they went on that 80 meter run down the wing took like six bounces, stepped everyone, and then forgot that he had a pair of boots and to kick the ball until he got right on the line, then kicked it into the man, and then they picked it up, dropped it, handball, kicked it, touched on the line. That was ridiculous. <laughs> I have seen better footy at Oz kick, and I just feel sorry for blokes like Travis Bloke. Team's on his back. He is doing everything in his power to try and get his team over the line. And they're just not backing him up. I feel so sorry for him. He was a jet on Thursday. He was the only one that looked like he rocked up to play. Still got most touches on ground, I think, in the end. He's a gun. And the only other thing really to touch on, gee, weren't we wrong about Gorney? We said that maybe he'd lost a little bit of steam with Jackson taking up the mantle of um, Ruck uh, full forward um, uh, rotation. Came out and proved us wrong, didn't he? Yeah, he played amazing. Um, That was probably the only... Real big thing from a player-wise coming out of that game. Um, yeah, just absolutely dominated and probably three Brownlow votes right in the book there. Just, yeah, great to see him. For Back sure. What I said he wasn't at. So, yeah, we'll head into the Friday night game. Cats versus Lions. Um, what did you take on this game, mate? I was um, I was pretty pretty interested to see it. Um, Tommy Hawkins kicked five, obviously. Um, Mark... Uh, Blickhouse had an amazing game as well. A bit similar to Gorn, 22 touches and 20 hitouts. Um, but yeah, Longans almost get it done over at the at the um, Cats' home ground. What are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, it was really impressive from uh, Brisbane, who had a really slow start to the year. Those first two rounds, they were looking pretty iffy. But then, um, despite you know two wins, a win over Port, and then a big win over Essendon. They weren't quite looking like the Lions of last year, but the last two rounds, they've proved any doubt is wrong. They came out, absolutely dispatched North Melbourne, then came, like you said, really, really gave Geelong a run for their money on their home deck, and that's really positive signs. 
they'll be going, taking a lot of confidence out of that. And there are a lot of controversial calls in the end there. That non-pushing the back call on Tommy Hawkins was putrid. That's some of the worst umpiring I've seen in a while. Clear two hands in the back, massive shove. And then when questioned on it, oh, uh, you were both moving forward, but he held his ground. How does that make sense? So tell me, Nick, you, were, you used to be an umpire for the, the under eights. How does that make sense? Yeah, no, it doesn't really. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't really like that game, to be honest. Yeah, but I will say one thing. Shit umpiring. It's pretty good punting from you, Nicholas. If you're following us on Dabble Legends, and if you aren't, get on Dabble. Copy, uh, copy all our bets at the Mock Sports. Use the sign-up code when you sign up. But um, listen to this. $4.20 odds. Cam Rayner, 13 disposals. Specific, very specific. Uh, Daniel Rich, 20 disposals. Harris Andrews, 10 disposals. Zach Tui, 20 disposals. Tommy Hawkins, 2 goals. Got up as easy as that. And you, your bet description, easy win with a yawn emoji. The arrogance, Nicholas. Some good punting there. Yeah, I'm a gun. Uh, I back the winners. <laughs> so, yeah, nothing nothing more to say, to be honest. So, yeah, we'll move on. Jeez, uh, North Melbourne, the Swans, a much better game than anyone thought it was going to be. The only real thing that I have to say about this game, Jack Zebel at full forward is the coaching masterpiece of the century. They almost came out and knocked off the Swans off the back of it. Five goals for a bloke that's not even, like, he, I think he's only 180-something centimetres, playing out a full forward, and he dominated. Nine touches, and five of those touches end up in a goal. Like... You can't really put into words. That's he normally plays full back or half back, and he's gone into full forward and done that, and knocked off one of the best teams in the comp. Like, what were your thoughts on it? You're the Swans fan. I want to hear your thoughts. Uh it is what it is. Um, look, the Swans get up. They um they do struggle a little bit against North Melbourne usually. I, w- I remember going to watch a game, a couple of um, a couple of years ago, and it was always close. So. Yeah, um, it is what it is. Swans get up. Not much else to say. Um, yeah, Zebel on top, but yeah, we'll move on. Um, next game we have is the... Collingwood West Coast. Wow, great game, this one. Um, no one really picked this. I didn't, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, um, Collingwood got knocked off in the end on the home deck against a West Coast Eagles side that is still COVID and injury ravaged. It's nice to see them get up. I still don't think they'll win many games this year, especially with the tragic news that Nick Nat knew he's out for three months. We send our best wishes to him. But I think the big taking point out of that game was um, the Dicos brothers. They are just absolute jets. Nick's a freak. I guess we all knew that coming into this season, seeing what he's done. Last year, but Josh has always been one of those ones that flies under the radar, and I think this is really a coming out party for him. They combined, oh, a little bit of a voice crack there, but they combined so well together, and just to have each other on the same team in the same lineup, they're going to be able to find each other, and I think they're going to be a real power couple um, going forward for the Collingwood Magpies if they're both able to be locked down in long term contracts in the next few years. They were. Absolutely outstanding. Nick Dykos with 32 touches, four clearances. Uh, Josh Dykos with 28 and two clearances and a goal. So the Dykos brothers, absolute guns. 100%. Freaks. Um, it just feels like Josh Dykos just wants to start performing now that these little brothers come to the big stage because Josh Dykos has done nothing in the last three years, in my opinion. So... <laughs> one of those things, one of those mental things, I I guess. Yeah, uh, I guess, yeah, brotherly, uh, brotherly rivalry. I mean, you know, if your brother came up and started kicking four goals a game at our local footy, you'd be pretty pissed off. Yeah, that wouldn't happen. All right, uh, <laughs> Richmond versus Western Bulldogs. What would you take on this? I'll let you take the lead on this one. Um, plain and simple, dogs goal kicking just putrid. Seven to nineteen. That's not the Bulldogs that we've come to know and love. Uh, just gave up in the last quarter, and to me, that's more concerning than the lack of goal accuracy. Um, normally, what always gets the dogs over the line when they find themselves in these compromising positions when they were down at the breaks was they, their ability to dig in and really bite back, get those center clearances, and it'd just be one, two, kick, mark at full forward, go back, slot a goal. But, you know, 
Instead, Richmond just were more hungry. They outworked the dogs in the end, and they got over by 38. When you said that the Richmond were going to get up by a big margin, I didn't believe you. And even in the thought that they were going to get up, I didn't think they'd be getting up by this much, that's for sure. So I think the big thing is the dogs have really been exposed with their lack of backline because they've got the deepest midfield in the comp. Everyone knows that. They've got about 10 blokes in there that should be running in the mids, but they have to be rotated everywhere else. I think what honestly what we need to do is trade one of those mids, take your pick, whether it's Josh Dunkley, Mitch Wallace, um, or maybe even, I don't even know. They Take your pick, like I said, there's 10 of them. Take your pick, trade one of them for a key defender in the offseason. I think we'll be right. That's long-term thinking. But in and at the moment, they just need to be hungry at the footy. Yeah, fair enough. I didn't actually watch the game. Um, but yeah, Richmond's obviously taking the win in that one. I did watch this next game, Fremantle versus the Giants. Um, Dockers look too good, like we said. Um, Sam Darcy coming back into the side. Will Brody, such a good pickup for them. 37 touches. Um from the Gold Coast, but yeah, Monday back in the team and Darcy back in the team just was going to be too much for the Giants, and and you could prove to see it. So, not much else for me to take out of that one. How about you? Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, except the fact that I think Tom Green, he's proved it in the first four rounds. He's the next big thing in Sydney. I think he's going to be the next big marketable player within the Sydney realm once Buddy Franklin goes away. He is just a He's a jet. He picks up um, the pill like nobody else. And even though he didn't have as many touches as he normally does, um, as he's we've became accustomed to in the last few um, rounds, let me have a look here. He only got, jeez, I can't even find him. He only got 17 touches this time. But what he made up for lacking touches was goals. And they were great goals as well, plus six clearances. He's a weapon. He's really going to be the marquee player for the Giants for years to come. Um, next one, uh, Essendon, Adelaide. Gee, we got, I got it wrong about Essendon in my big call last week that they were going to go 0 and 6, but they almost lost in the end there. You got to admit it went down to the wire. Nice to see Tex Walker still has the goods after that big break due to the racism. I mean, didn't quite like the fact that they booed him a lot. I guess it was expected considering the circumstances of his exit from the game last year. But I mean, I think... He's he's had his time in the sun. He's on all accounts from the person that he did the slurs to, from the clubs, from the league's perspective. They've all forgiven him. They've all moved on. I think we as a uh, league need to move on as well because we can't just keep booing him every time he gets near the pill when he's just such a good player and he's able to do things like he did on the weekend. Um, he's also a massive jet, 27 touches, 12 tackles and a goal. And I mentioned you good punting earlier, Nick, but this wasn't great punting. Again, on Dabble, you blew one of our multis. You had plenty of good um, players for touches. You even had Tex Walker for 11 and Josh Rochelle for um, 12 and Peter Wright for over 10 as well. You got all these key uh, players getting plenty of touches. You backed them in. They actually did it. But then you had to go and ruin it with Rory Laird for a goal. What are you thinking? When I said it to you before this podcast when you had a go at me and I say it again, there's always two goals throughout a midfield group each game, in my opinion, um, and you get some good value out of it. You just got to pick the right one and it added the value that we needed. Um, just didn't get up. It is what it is. We we go again. Um, but yeah, I can't can't say too much more about it. So um, another thing I just wanted to bring up in this game, oh, I just thought Eston's way about they went about it with their rucking um, against Riley O'Brien was just amazing. Phillips and Draper going up at it. Um, just, yeah, they tore apart Riley O'Brien where he was just absolutely cooked by the last quarter and Draper kicked that clutch goal to, to win the game pretty much. Um, yeah, look, amazing from, from Essendon and that was the, probably the difference in the end. So um, it is what it is. We'll head on into the next one, Hawthorne versus Saints. Look, I got it wrong. I thought the Hawthorns were 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 a force to reckon with, but um, it, it looks back to reality a little bit now. Um, yeah. Jack Sinclair played really good. Jack Steele, obviously, um, absolute weapon. He's back to his, back to where he should be um, with a goal and then 33 touches. Um, but you, you, I just didn't see anyone from the um, Hawthorne camp just step up like like they should. Um, 
John Newcomb had a good game, but other than that, like there wasn't anyone that really stood up to me that there should be up there. Jago Amira needs to have bigger games than he did. 20 touches is not good enough in my opinion. You've got Will Day only with seven touches when he's such a big player for them, and then Warple as well, who's Warple. A, he should be should be a good player, and he he's only getting five touches for this one, so um, lets him down in the end. Anything you want to add? Yeah, you, you said it best, Warple. He is the most incon- probably him and Diego O'Meara, the two most inconsistent players in the league. They all come out and get thirty touches one game, and like you said, Warple five touches, ten fantasy points. Come on. Come on, you need to be a pillar for your team. And if they're going to get up the um the ladder and win games like these, he needs to be right in there. We said it in those preseason predictions. He's going to be a big, important player. He's going to be probably one of the key players for the club this year, and he's just letting them down. But like you said, Jay Steele, three votes. Nice to see our Brownlow tip finally getting a poll. Um, four blokes kicked four goals each for the Saints, so shout out to King, Gresham, Member, and Hill. Takes a... Uh, Takes a real effort to share the ball around that much and to all four of them slot four goals each. Uh, definitely take some notes, Bulldogs, because uh, that's how you get some good goal-kicking efficiency. But other than that, I think we should move on to the final game of the week. I think I was the only person in the world to get this one right. Cashy tipped the Suns, and they pissed it in. Yeah, it was good to see, to be honest. Um, Yeah. Carlton back to reality as well. Obviously, Crippar getting injured in the first quarter, which is not what you like to see for a good player, right? Um, he's a weapon. Um, Zach Williams, in my opinion, back to back to how he was over at the Giants, over at the at Carlton, which is good to see. But um, Noah Anderson had a great game, thirty five touches and one goal, and then Turk Miller, obviously, another one that is just an absolute gun. Lockie Weller stepped up, thirty one touches, one goal. Um, but Doherty as well. Doherty was just absolutely junking in those disposals. Um, but yeah, without that, without that big force of Cripps in the midfield and no Chera stepping up or Kennedy having a good game, um, they just got ripped apart in the midfield. So um, that's my opinion about the game. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, I, I'm pretty upset about the um, seeing what's his name, Cripper getting injured after playing wow, some good yeah. games. It's it's really it's bad to see for the game. I don't like to see it. He just needed to stay healthy. He just really needed to stay healthy, and he's twinged his hamstring. Word is that he's actually pretty much good to go, but they're not risking it because he's such a valuable commodity, and that's why he got subbed out. You know, some players would have played on, um, but got taken out of his hands. They weren't risking it. You know, we saw a vision of him moving in the change rooms with the hamstring. He looked pretty much fine. He would have just been a bit of a niggle, but they were not at all risking it him doing it even worse, so apparently he's only going to miss this week and then he'll be back if all things go right, which I hope is the case. The game is better to see him on the field. But how good are the Suns? You mentioned Miller, Weller, Anderson, you know. Rao didn't even have that much of an impact in the game. That's just how good they've become. They don't have to rely on Rao anymore. Also, the three-headed beast, you've got Kasbolt, Chol, and Jared Witts. Jared Witts absolutely ate to Koning, 42 to 15 in the ruck. Like, I reckon they've got the best ruck in the game not named Max Gorn. So, I think our tip for Suns to play finals is a really good crow from us. You know, they still might not. They still might finish 13th or not. But the way they're playing right now, you can't tell me that it's not a complete impossibility for them to play top eight footy because they look really, really good on the weekend against the team that has been on top in all of the stats this year when it came to contested ball, you know, goal kicking efficiency, clearance efficiency. They've been on top for everything. And Suns, despite being without Crip, they picked them apart. Like, they're looking real good, Nick. Yeah, it was good to see. Um, that'll wrap up our round four, I believe. Um, round four. Yes, and we'll head into a preview of round five. Um, so who we got first up, we've got on the Thursday, Brisbane versus Collingwood at the Gabba. Should be a good game, but the fact that Jack Ginevan, Brody Myrchek, and Jamie Ele- Elliott all out for Collingwood will be a big blow despite the fact they get Taylor Adams back in. Uh, Kyle Lohman also to make his debut for Brisbane and Oscar McInerney to return from suspension for Brisbane. So what are you thinking, Nick? How's this game going to pan out? What's going to be the big talking points going into it? Um, one thing you missed out there that I think will be a big time 
big talking point. Um, Dugowie comes back after that. that oh, of one, course. Um, that's a big player for them. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a good one here. Nick Dacos probably lining up against a, a lot better midfield here with Lockie Neal, Jared Lyons, um, Dan Zorka when he gets in there. But, um, yeah, Lions have got a good side. They've they've been thereabouts the last couple of years. Um, but um, yeah, I'm I'm impressed so far by this Collingwood um young midfield coming through, and they're only going to get better from here. Nick Dacos, like we spoke about him before, he's an absolute absolute weapon. Um, but it'll be good to see how he goes with um against the the big players like Lockie Neal. See how he can keep up. This is a Brownlow player that that knows how to play right. Um, Danaher. Absolutely flying at the moment. He's having a great season. He's probably probably the best I've seen him since um, his he, prime back over in, in Essendon, which is great, great to see. Um, but, yeah, this will be an interesting game in my opinion. Um, but I don't think it will have too much impact on either of these sides' um, seasons, to be honest. It's not that impactful of a game. Um, but I think there's a clear winner in this one for me. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think, honestly... The the big the big uh, watch is going to be who does Nick Dacos get to play on when he gets that rotation on ball? Will he be with Jared Lyons? Will he be with Zorko? Will he be with Neil? And if he's on Neil, it's going to be a bit of a blockbuster. So definitely tune into this one because you won't want to miss it. Um, the the here and now versus the future of the game certainly going to be fireworks. I hope, but yeah, Brisbane they're going to be really really hard uh, to beat this year at the Gabba. We said earlier on this year they're going to be a bit of an Penetrable force up there at the Gabba, um, especially after the coach last week admitted that, you know, forget the bad umpiring, forget the contentious calls. Geelong were just better at the end of the day, and I think that's really going to motivate um, Brisbane coming out of it. I really think it's going to motivate them to get over the line here and prove to a coach that they can be the best team every time they step out on the park, no matter what happens. So yeah, I'll. Hint, hint for who I'm tipping later. But, yeah, I think Brisbane should be pretty unbeatable coming into this one. Um, move on. Good Friday clash. I always enjoy watching this one, the Western Bulldogs versus North Melbourne. Going to be interesting, though, coming off last week. North Melbourne have uh, got a lot, of bit of, a lot of momentum. Bulldogs are down on their luck, and they don't have Josh Bruce to kick 12 on them this year, as he's done the last two times they've played on Good Friday. So, yeah, um, it could be. It could, it's either going to be a blowout or it's going to be like the game with Sydney where it's right down to the wire. I think there's going to be no in-between here. I really hope it's a blowout Bulldogs way, being a Bulldogs supporter. But what are your thoughts, Nick? Yeah, look, I don't think it'll be a very good game. I think it's a it's a pretty ordinary game to put on a Friday night, in my opinion. Um, you could pick a better game for this or a Friday afternoon, sorry. Um, but, yeah, not, not too much I want to talk about that one. We'll move on. Um, the other Friday night game, Swannies versus West Coast over at Optus Stadium. Yeah, this is a big game. Um, big game. Uh, honestly, it could go either way, and that's coming from me as a Swan supporter here. I think the Swans are due for a loss. Um, they've they've won every game except for the Western Bulldogs game. Um, they're due Ooh. for a loss, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, I think it really comes down to the teams that get picked that um, need to have a look at. But, um, yeah, West Coast over in West Coast, um, it's pretty hard. Yeah. Um, that, like you said, the big thing for this game is going to be who gets picked, who's injured, who doesn't have COVID. Uh, Nick Natanui goes out, like mentioned earlier, but the Swans also don't have Tom Hickey. Um, uh, Lance Franklin also goes out for the Swans with that dislocated finger. He'll have to take a couple of weeks off to rest that. I think he's getting surgery on it as well, just to make sure that that rehabilitation goes quicker. But if injury and COVID goes their way, Eagles could see the likes of Shuey, uh, Yo, Cripps, Kelly, and Petrovsky Seaton all coming back into the lineup, which means that they, for the first time this year, should have a full AFL list and no Rezies slash Waffle pop-ups. Like every game so far, they haven't had their best 22 on the park, and we could actually see it this week, minus Nick Nat, of course. So, yeah, it's definitely the best game to be playing Friday night. I'm glad they put this one in the night, not Bulldogs North Melbourne. I'm definitely going to be tuning into it. It's going to be some good viewing. Um, Saturday, Gold Coast, St Kilda. This one, I'm really looking forward to this one because a couple of weeks ago, uh, 
this one wouldn't have been that exciting. But you've got St Kilda coming in with massive momentum. You've got Gold Coast coming in with massive momentum. Two teams are going to be battling it out for eighth spot this year, in my opinion. They're a real like-type side, and they're going to really see um, how they match up against each other. Of course, Ben King not playing, so the King Cup won't be going ahead. But, I mean... Paddy Ryder also out for the Saints, so that's another big man that they're missing, which will help Gold Coast as they won't be outgunned. They don't have Ben King. Saints don't have Paddy Ryder. So I think it's going to be really evenly matched. Down on Marvel Stadium as well. Oh, man. Uh, you know, coming off 69-point win over Hawthorne is really, really big. But do you think that that is better form to like to use horse racing terms, Nick, would you be going off that form over a 30 point win over Carlton in the form that they've been in at the moment over a 69 um, point win over Hawthorne? Which one do you think reads better? I think the 60, uh, the 70 point win reads a lot better in my opinion, because Hawthorne and Carlton, you can see are very well matched and um, 70 points and 30 points. They're, they're not quite similar. So um, I reckon the Saints, Look pretty good for this one, and Gold Coast need to find a new new um new kick outside of outside of the Gold Coast. So it'll be interesting to see that one. Um, let's head over to the next one: Adelaide versus Richmond over at the Adelaide Oval. I reckon this is a bit of a sleeper of a game here. This is um this is going to be and and when I say sleeper, I mean like sleeping on the fact that it's a good game. Um, just to be even more confusing, I reckon this is going to be a good game. Um, Adelaide have played some good footy, and so have Richmond. Um, but they both don't like to rock up sometimes so it's about who rocks up on the day who does this who does that but yeah these are pretty two two pretty evenly matched teams that i reckon are pretty good yeah you've said it best i think they're again they're uh like the saints and gold coast they're a like-minded team um they're going to be around the same spots this year i reckon no real team news to go off as well which is good so they're going to be bringing their best to each other's game, except actually I think Flosterwin should be coming back into it for the Tigers, which is a big in. Um, so, of course, Dusty's still MIA, but, you know, we won't touch on that until he decides to come back if he ever does. Tigers coming in with momentum. I think Adelaide come in with more momentum than people think. They're still riding high that big showdown win and taking it to Essendon in Melbourne. Um, Tigers are the rightful favourites, don't get me wrong, but I definitely think Adelaide could give them a run for their money, especially if Josh Rochelle keeps doing his uh, freakish things despite his young age. He is an absolute weapon. If he comes out firing, I think it could be a Josh Rochelle versus Shy Bolton for the best highlight of the game, this game. Two small forwards that are just weapons and definitely big stars of the future. Shy Bolton, of course, been around for a little longer than Josh Rochelle, but yeah, big things in tow for both of them. Um... We'll move on. Melbourne versus Giants. I think this game is going to be a little closer than people expect. Are you with me there, or do you think it's going to be a blowout? Uh, I don't know. Melbourne, uh, I don't know, man. Like, it's a, it's going to be tough, right? Like, I don't know. Giants seem to play good against good teams. I don't know. They kind of just turn up. But um, Melbourne are due for a loss at some point, right? And I don't know if it's going to be against this team. Um, I reckon Melbourne scraped through in this one, but yeah, I think it's a pretty, pretty interesting game. Yeah, fair enough. I think there's not much else to say about that one. I think you know, uh, you know, Toby Green's still not quite back. If Toby Green was in this game, it'd be a lot more interesting to see. But uh, yeah, Giants typically don't have a great record at the MCG, and they don't typically have a great record against the D's. Um, D's are coming in with more momentum as well. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Petrarca, Oliver going up against Green, Taranto and Kelly. Going to be fun to see. Uh, who normally plays on the wing for Giants? Who's going to be matching up with Brayshaw and Langdon? Are Langdon and Brayshaw easily going to win that matchup or are they going to have some competition? Um, you got Cornelia sneaking out into the wing at the moment as well. Um who else for the? They they got a pretty gun midfield as well. They got you've got um check. Kelly they Green. got Callum, Callum Ward also popping out there. Yeah, he's got he's got some stamina on him. Maybe not maybe not now. Maybe in his prime. But you put you put the ball back into the midfield. Um, that gets a midfielder out onto the wing. So, um, but no one no one's going to be able to keep up with um this bloke um Langdon to to be honest. So. 
um, yeah, well, it'll be interesting. Think, to yeah, you've uh, you, the, you mentioned De Boer, and I think he always he always escapes my mind. The De Boer factor is big. So you think De Boer to Petrarca and Ash to Oliver to try and subdue that a bit, or maybe just a double team on Petrarca. Like, I, but I think either way, Petrarca's too good. Like, you know, he was able to overcome that great tag from McGrath. I think he'll be too good as well um, to get through the tag from De Boer. Like, Brayshaw was too good. To, he got away from De Boer there um, last weekend. So, or do you think maybe De Boer is good enough to keep Petrarca to a quiet game? Nah, no, no one's good enough to keep Petrarca to a quiet game at the moment. You can double team him, but um, that'll leave someone else free, and and everyone's got their own talents. So, um, Petrarca is just a different beast, and everyone knows that. So, um, you're probably best off putting De Boer on him because De Boer, um, he does play his best footy, in my opinion, when he is tagging because he's playing with the good players, right? And the 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 ball gets attracted to the good players, so he's he's always going to be thereabouts and get the footy. So, um, yeah, I, I'd be putting him on Petrarca. Or um, but yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, we'll move on to Carlton versus Port Adelaide. I think this is gonna be a really, really good game. This one, and I'm just gonna say this now. I swear to God, if I turn this game on, and Kelly Underwood is commentating, I'm turning it right off. She has been unbearable to listen to the last few weeks. Mind my French, but she is shit. And that's and people are gonna come at us and t- say that we're just sexist. No, she's just not as good as the other commentators. And honestly, I don't even think it's her fault. I'll go back to what I said a couple of weeks ago. The AFL currently are not commentating interstate games in the interstate as a cost-cutting and COVID uh, safety measure. They are uh, commentating the majority of the games out of a studio in Melbourne just watching it on TV like the rest of us. They're not at the game seeing what's going around. That's why you hear the likes of Kelly Underwood. Every time it goes through the goals at an angle, they go, oh, oh, he's kicked. Yeah, it's a goal. He's kicked a goal instead of a big reaction like you'd get when they're at the ground. So honestly, if she's she's commentating, I'll probably put it on mute. But hopefully the fact that she'll be actually in Melbourne and hopefully at the ground, if she's commentating one of these games, whether it's the MCG or Marvel Stadium one, hopefully her, along with the rest of the commentary team, will be able to serve up something that's actually serviceable since they're at the ground and they're seeing everything happen and they're not just watching the TV with the rest of us. Because honestly, we could do a better job because we're watching the exact same thing they are at the moment on Sunday Arvo footy. So, sorry, that just had to be said, honestly. Get her out. She's... Get them all out. Get get them all out and get them out of that studio. Get them at the ground. I want yeah, them at the ground. I don't even know her name. Send her away. <laughs> send, her the, send her to the AFLW. Or she could commentate the AFLW for all I knew because I didn't watch it because I didn't know it was on. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. But we'll get back to the, the preview after that. We should honestly call us up, Fox Footy. Get us in the booth. We'll give you a good commentary. We'll give you a great time. You'll never lose a uh, viewer with us in the commentary booth. Um, so, Carlton, coming off with their first loss of the year. Port Adelaide coming into this with not a win to be seen. So, honestly, no Cripper, no Wines. It balances them out. So, you think it's best 22 for both of them, minus those uh, key outs there. What do you think is going to be the winner or loser for this game? What's going to make or break this game? Oh, it's just going to come down to who's got the who's got the overrun in the last quarter. Um, I think this will be a pretty good game. I hope it's a pretty good game for Port Adelaide's sake because if they don't win this one, I don't think they'll be winning one for for a very long time. Um, because they've got West Coast, which they they probably will win that one. Maybe I don't know. It, they've got they could be at rock bottom to be honest. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. But, yeah, let's leave it at that. We'll head over to the Essendon-Fremantle game. Another pretty good one, in my opinion. I feel like this is a pretty evenly matched. Um, Essendon are really using those two Ruckmans to their advantage to to take down um, powerful Ruckmans. Riley O'Brien's a, a pretty good Ruckman over at the Crows, and he got torn apart in the end by um by the two um, Essendon Ruckmans, who are just some good players. Draper's, Draper's pretty good, uh, but Darcy's going to be another one here. The sole Ruckman, um, 
Lob will get in there as well, I think, if he plays. But um, yeah, it's it's mostly at the moment staying with um with um Darcy and um he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. But oh, sorry, Lloyd Meek will play as well. Um, for Fremantle, I assume. Um, but overall, um, I feel like Essendon are a chance here. But um, we'll get into that in a little bit as well. What do you have to add? Um, I mean, purely, I think the Dockers are so underrated in the last few weeks. It is commendable what they've been able to do without the likes of Fife, and they only just got Mundy back. So when if, if when Fife comes back after that injury, if they have you know Fife, Mundy, Sarong, Brayshaw, Darcy in that engine room, plus you know the Brodies, the Schultz, the Chapmans, the Acres, um, all of their young guns coming up, they're really hard fit side, and they came out and showed it against the Giants. The Giants were really put on the back foot by them, and they never really got into the game because of it. And I think they can do the same here against Essendon if they get the chance. If Essendon let them run over the top of them, they definitely could. But, you know, Bombers will be coming in this with confidence. They haven't lost in, like, the last five or six times. They've played the Dockers no matter where it was, whether it was away or home. They seem to have their number. But, yeah, who knows? They're in a real similar spot this year. Normally, Fremantle is down the bottom. They're only just starting to come into their own as a club again. So... I think this one's going to be decided by a couple of goals. I don't think it's going to be a blowout either side. I think this one's going to be one of the better finishes of the round. And then the classic, the traditional Easter Monday clash between Hawthorne and Geelong at the MCG. It'll be a packed house. Uh, always love to see this one. Good public holiday viewing. Well, what's going to make or break this game, Nick? Uh, it's the midfielders here for me. Um, yeah. Um, the midfield for Geelong just hasn't been as good as I think they could be. Their their forwards have really stood out, and um, for the for the Geelong Cats, but um, yeah, the midfield group needs to stand up here. You got Tom Stewart down the back who's working his ass off. You got two key forwards. Um, what are their names have escaped me. Jeremy Cameron and uh, <laughs> Tom Hawkins, two of the best forwards in the game. Um, but their midfield just needs to step up a little bit where they've got um, over at Hawthorne, they've got Tom Mitchell, you've got your Warpool, like we said, you've got a couple of good players in there. Um, you really need to literally step up. So it's going to come down to the midfields in this one, and I reckon it'll be a good game. Um, it's always competitive in the big games that um, get played every year. So we'll have a look into it in a bit. Yeah, you've taken the words right out of my mouth. Uh, no matter where these two teams are on the ladder every year, they always fight this one out to the finish. Um, it's always a really good game. The scoreboard doesn't always reflect that. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's probably make or break in that midfield. Blokes like we called out earlier, James Warple needs to step up. Jaeger O'Meara needs to step up. Tom Mitchell can't do everything in the middle there. They need to be the ones that um, step up and win the games for the... Um, for the Hawks this year because Tom Hawkins, not Tom Hawkins, sorry, Tom Mitchell, I, I, I called him out the other week and I stand by it. He's not a match winner. He is not a match winner um, for the um, for the Hawks and that's just the way it is. He's a ball getter, but he doesn't win the matches. Blokes like Diego Mira and blokes like um, uh, Warple win those games. And I think the big watch is going to be, I think, Jath, who, who does he line up on? Does he line up on Cameron? And if he does... I think that's going to be the make or break. I think, you know, whoever wins that matchup is really going to be the match winner for this game because if Jath is able to lock down um, Jeremy Cameron, that'd be really, really huge and goes the other way. If Jeremy Cameron's able to run over the top of him and kick five, they'll get up in the end. I don't reckon he plays on one of the key forwards, to be honest. He's too much of a run. Who do you think he goes to? I don't know, but he's too much of a runoff player to be locked down on one of the key forwards. Um, you're better off seeing him with, I don't know, someone like up the field a little bit, maybe, I don't even know, hey, um, who the, who else have they got up there? Who are the forwards for Geelong? Like Tyson Stengel, uh, uh, Grian Myers, would you, you, would you think he plays off them instead? Yeah, I, I feel like maybe not Myers, maybe a... A Stengel, maybe, but um, yeah, it gets down the ground. So, um, but yeah, who who else have you got? You got Sicily down there. I reckon it will lock down one of them. 
Um, who else? Darcy Moore. Yeah, Moore, maybe. Maybe he might go down there. You got Will Day, obviously. He won't lock down anyone. Um, Frost, he he will lock down someone. Um, I don't think they'll need to um, use him, use him as a lockdown defender because his runoff is so important um, for the Hawthorn um, this year that I don't think he'll be locking down anyone. Oh, fair enough. But I think if he if like I said if he does, I think that's a big watch. The the big watch of the game is who Jaff goes to at the opening bounce. But um, other than that, let's get into these tips, Nick. My uh. Tip of the year, Gold Coast getting up over the Carlton. I, I was the only one in the tipping comp, of all the tipping comps I was in, to get that one right. I was the only one that tipped Gold Coast. I will be crying for that for oh, ages. I'm very proud of that. But that keeps me ahead in our tipping comp. I'm one up on you because of it. Let's see if you can get the lead back after this week. Brisbane Collingwood, who have you got? Brisbane by yeah. 14. Yeah, Brisbane for me by 23. Uh, North Melbourne Bulldogs. Ah, uh, Bulldogs by 42. I reckon they smash them. Yeah, but like I said, it's either going to be really close or a blowout, no in-between, and I'm going for the blowout just because history says the Dogs love to destroy North Melbourne on Good Friday. Like I said, Josh Bruce isn't there to be kicking all the goals, but hopefully it's Aaron Norton this time and they can actually get him through the big sticks and not through the little ones. So Bulldogs by 34. Um... Swans versus West Coast. Yeah, Swans by 12. They just get through. I reckon it'll be a good game, but I can't tip against my own team. Yeah, I'm going to go Swans by 23. I think they get over the line by a comfortable margin. I think it won't be fought down to the finish. I think uh, they'll run over the top of them in that third quarter and just hold them off for that last quarter. Uh, Gold Coast, St. Kilda. Uh, The Saints look too good, um, in my opinion. But I'm going to go with the Suns. Suns. Oh! No, Max. Oh, no. I can't do it. Oh, goodness. Um, geez. Well, now, <laughs> this, is, this is the second week in a row that you've stolen my big call of the week because it was going to be big call of the week. Cashy's big call of the week. Gold Coast to get over the Saints and go three and two. But, um, yeah, well... I guess it's not as big of a call since you've gone and stole the thunder. But, yeah, I'm going Gold Coast Suns over the St. Kilda Saints here. I might be wrong. St. Kilda might come out and pump them. But I just think Gold Coast, they are going. I think the way they're playing this year, if this doesn't prove that Stewie Jew is the man for the job for them, I don't know what does. They are going to absolute war for him to try and save his job. They have so much respect for him. They love him. I don't care if the AFL want to send someone like Clarkson, Clarko up um, just for the, the good of the game and to try and develop them more. I think they're getting more development under Dew. They're signing on with the promise that Dew's going to be there for them. They're going to war for him and they're coming out of the trenches on top and they're going to do the exact same thing this week. They're going to dig in and they're going to get over the Saints. Um, I think Suns to cover the line, they're at like a 20-point line. I think that's very... Very juicy there if you want a punting tip. Uh, Adelaide versus Richmond. I'm going to go Adelaide by three. Interesting. I'm going with, I'm going with, the, with the Tigers on this one. Um, they played good last week, so I'll give it to them. Uh, Melbourne Giants, who have you got? I'm going to go Melbourne by less than 20. I can't nail down a number, just less than 20. I think if you're tipping, if you're betting on them, Melbourne 1 to 25, I think. I've got a feeling about it. I might get it wrong. They might come out and win by 60 and make me look silly, but Melbourne 1 to 25 looks the value bet here. Yeah, Melbourne by 6 for me, I agree. Uh Carlton Port Adelaide. Carlton. I just I I Port Adelaide's at a point where I can't tip them until they get a win, just like I was with Essendon. Um until they show me that they can play football like a football team and not Oz kickers, I can't confidently tip them. So Carlton for me by eight. Yeah, I reckon Port get their first win of the season here. Um, oh, I Carlton, like it. Carlton got their heads down. So Port by 24 to get themselves rolling for the season. Jeez, okay. 
Um, Essendon Fremantle. I'm gonna go Fremantle to keep it going, even though it's in Melbourne. They get away from Optus. I think they're going really well at the moment. They're just gonna keep on motoring. Fremantle by, let's say, twelve. Yeah, I'm going with the Bombers here. Bombers here by by twelve as well. Um, yeah, I really liked how they played last week, and I think they can get it done again here. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Easter Monday, who have you got? Uh, the Cats take this one by 15 points. Um, they just run over the Hawks. It's long-time rivalry, but I feel like Geelong got the experience that they need. Uh, yeah, uh, I took the words right out of my mouth. Cats to get it done by 24, in my opinion. I think they're just going to end up running over the top of them. Um Okay, Nick, anything else that we want to say before we head off? Nah, nothing else for me. Um, just enjoy the week. Hopefully the, the boys don't get injured. Um, you like to see the good players staying fit and healthy. So, yeah, that's that's all for me. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, enjoy the weekend of footy, guys. It's a big couple of weeks coming up. You know, we've got the Easter weekend, which is always nice, then into Anzac Day weekend, and then... A, f- a few very key matchups coming after that. There's plenty of good footy coming in the next few weeks. And make sure to tune in here. Fair bump, play on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts every single week for your footy content. Now, with the season finale of the Quaddy Potty going out, it is your one stop shop for mock content over the next few months. If you want a taste of the mocks every week, this is where you come. So make sure to tune in every week. And we, on that note, we will see you next week. See you guys.